Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hi, welcome. I'm Chris, the pastor at Compass. I'm glad you're with me, because today we're starting a brand new message series called Dirty. Because if there's one thing that religion is good at, it's defining what's good and bad, right and wrong, clean and dirty. Historically, the church has always spent a lot of time identifying and prohibiting the things that are unacceptable for Christians to engage in. I mean, I grew up in church, so I'm familiar with a lot of these dirty things. I mean, for example, one year at junior high camp, we were shown this movie called Hell's Bells. Now, based on the title, you may think that it was this awesome horror movie, but it was neither a horror movie nor was it awesome. See, the full title of Hell's Bells was The Dangers of Rock and Roll. And it was a documentary-style film whose goal was to show how secular rock music could lead young people to sex, drugs, and the occult. No joke, they walked us through songs by bands like Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, even Madonna, to show us how these artists were intentionally leading kids into devil worship. It showed examples of backmasking, where if you played these songs backwards, there were these reverse subliminal messages about Satan. Uh, They showed us these, these images of all the scariest album covers by metal bands. The funny thing was is that I listened to all that music back then. And so when they played ACDC or Metallica songs to show how evil they were, I was just singing along. And the irony of all of that is that it probably exposed church kids to rock music that they never would have heard otherwise. But that music was dirty back then. But there have actually been a lot of things that Christians have historically defined as dirty. I mean, it used to be dirty to play billiards or poker. It used to be dirty to wear a hat in church or for women to wear pants. I mean, even to pull that thread, it used to be forbidden for women to teach in church. It still is in some traditions. I've seen the hat yanked off a teenager's head. I've seen a girl given a sweater to wrap around her waist because her skirt was too short in church. I've seen girls who were sent home to change. When I was a kid, there was a local church in our hometown that said having drums in church was evil because the beats were derived from the beats used by Africans to worship their pagan gods. And so we should have nothing to do with that. And if you think that sounds a little racist, you're probably not wrong. The point is that religion has always defined and censored what's dirty, and it still does. There's a company called VidAngel, and VidAngel will filter out bad language, violence, sex, immodesty from any movies or shows that are on your streaming services. Basically, it censors all the things that are dirty. It censors things in in so much detail that you could edit out the scene in Back to the Future where Marty McFly is knocked down when he plays guitar in front of a huge amplifier. And just in case you don't believe me, here's where it says you can filter out where a person is blown across the room by a sound wave. And then there are the book and movie bands that are being pushed by evangelicals across the country right now. Just last week in Florida, a school board member publicly condemned and started an investigation of a fifth grade teacher for showing an animated Disney movie in her class because the movie had a gay character in it. No sex, no bad language, not even kissing, just a character who was gay. And a school board member, she defended her attacks on this teacher, and she said this. She said, as a leader in this community, I'm not going to stand by and allow this minority to infiltrate our schools. God did put me here. It's a current example of religious people 
censoring what they think is dirty. And whether it's music, movies, books, or even people, dirty things are to be avoided. But the problem is that religion is just structures created by people who are trying to know and follow God. So how can we be certain that these structures are right? Especially when we're currently in a church where we have drums, where women can wear pants and teach, where having a poker night with friends is perfectly okay. How can we be sure that what religion says is dirty really is? And how can we know that our lives are actually clean? Well, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at some stories from the life of Jesus where he speaks exactly to that. And we're going to start today in Matthew 15, verse 1. It said this, said some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. And they asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Now, the Pharisees were the religious elite of their day. They, they lived the cleanest lives. They knew the most about Scripture. I mean, these guys were publicly viewed as the holiest of the holy. We see them as bad guys today because they oppose Jesus. But for the people then, I mean, they were admired. These were important, knowledgeable people. And what they said carried a lot of weight. And they confronted Jesus on a religious matter. Not only that, they made a three-day journey from Jerusalem to Galilee just to do it. And what was their issue? Well, they had issue with his disciples' hand-washing habits. Now, we live in a post-COVID era where we've never been more aware of the importance of hand-washing. But the Pharisees weren't concerned with the disciples' dirty hands. Their problem was with how Jesus and his people weren't adhering to the established religious traditions. So the Pharisees and, and other Jewish rabbis, they had developed this principle called building a fence around the law. Basically, they were so committed to not violating the law of God that they established even stricter rules to avoid even getting close. I mean, think the Billy Graham rule of not being alone with a woman ever, even though that's not wrong. Or, or think of women not being a, a expected or allowed to wear yoga pants in public to keep men from lusting, even though yoga pants are literally the most comfortable thing in the world. And honestly, if men wore them, it wouldn't even be a problem. I mean, these things aren't wrong on their own, but in some really religious thinking, they could lead to something wrong. Now, back to dirty hands. The priests in the Jewish temple, they had to go through a ceremonial washing process before they could enter it. And the Pharisees figured that if it's good for priests, well, then it's good for everyone. So it became the religious tradition for good Jews to ceremonially wash their hands before eating so that they could avoid any sort of ritual or ceremonial uncleanness. And the accusation against Jesus and his disciples was that by ignoring the religious rules and tradition, they were engaging in activity that made them spiritually dirty. The story continues in verse 3. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel out the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. 
To understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to understand another religious tradition of the Pharisees. And it was the tradition of making something Corbin or committed to God. The Pharisees figured that if it was good to sacrifice and commit certain things to God, that they should just sacrifice and commit everything to God. Corbin, Hebrew word. Now, this isn't a bad impulse to live a life where all you have is fully committed to God, but the problem was in how they lived this out. When the Pharisees made their lives Corbin, it didn't mean that they sold all their stuff and gave it to the temple. It just meant that if and when they sold their stuff, the proceeds had to go to the temple. So they could commit all their stuff to God, but they still kept it. They could commit their house and land to God and still live in it. They could commit their wealth to God and still use it any way they wanted to to support their lifestyle. But because it was all committed to God, it couldn't be given to anyone else. They couldn't sell their belongings and give it to the poor, to the sick, or, or even to their, to their elderly parents in need. Their resources were committed to the temple, Corbin. And Jesus called them out on this because that tradition was causing them to violate clear commands from God. And Jesus pointed to one in particular, the command to honor your father and mother. This wasn't a command about direct obedience to parents as much as it was a command to love, care for, and respect your parents, particularly in their old age when they couldn't work or provide for themselves anymore. And in their religious attempts to honor God with all they had, the Pharisees created a tradition that actually caused them to violate God's actual command to honor their parents. And then Jesus went a step further, saying that they were actually canceling or nullifying the word of God with their traditions. But Jesus goes on in verse 7. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Jesus hits the Pharisees again with their own scripture, this time from Isaiah. And he says, he says, you guys are working so hard to honor God with your words and your traditions and the rules that you build around yourselves and, and that you try to enforce on everyone else. But you're teaching these man-made rules as if they're commands from God, and they aren't. They never were. And then Jesus gives this gut punch. He says, your enforcement of rules and tradition, it isn't even moving the needle with God. In fact, your attempts to worship that way are a farce to him. Your concern with people having ceremonially clean hands is a joke when compared to the lack of care and concern that you show other people, especially your own parents. And in all this, there's another passage from Isaiah that I think resonates in the background of everything Jesus is saying. Because Isaiah captures the anger of a God whose people are practicing all sorts of religious activities to worship him, but who are completely missing out on what God really wants. And in the first chapter of Isaiah, God sets the tone for what that is. In Isaiah 1.15, God says, When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans and fight for the rights of widows. 
The root of God's anger in Isaiah is the same as the cause of Jesus' outrage towards the Pharisees, because they were engaging in all kinds of religious activities and traditions, but neglecting to do what mattered to God most, to seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. And in the twist of all twists, God says, their hands aren't dirty, yours are. They're dirty with the blood of the innocent victims of your disregard, of your misguided worship, and of your religious crusading. Because what God wants from his people is for us to be people of love. Not people who crusade against whatever boogeyman we think is dirty in our world today, but people who are righting the actual wrongs that are hurting others. Not demanding that everyone wash their hands of whatever the sin of the day is, but washing our own hands by seeking justice for others. Because here's the thing, clean hands care for the marginalized and those in need. We aren't spiritually clean because we avoid avoid curse words or secular music or yoga pants. We're spiritually clean because we share the same heart of God towards others that God has. Look at James 1.27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, it isn't banning the right books and movies or perfecting all the fundamentals of religion. According to God, there are probably a lot of people lifting hands in worship in our churches that are covered in the blood of the innocent people that they refuse to care for. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God is caring for orphans and widows in their distress. It's seeking justice, helping the oppressed. It's not isolating trans people, but wading into the lives of a people group that's at one of the greatest risks of suicide. It's not building walls. It's seeking to understand and care for the immigrant. It's not clinging to our privilege, but letting it go for those who've never had it. It's not banning books, but seeking to understand and care for the marginalized minorities that those books speak to and speak for. Ultimately, all of this isn't about social justice, but it's about understanding God's vision for the world that was revealed to us in Jesus. It's a world of love and unity, not defined by who or what we avoid, but by who we don't avoid. And the kingdom of God breaking into our world is not one where we crusade to clean the dirty hands of others, but where our hands are made clean by the quality of our love. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have clean hands of love that defy religious tradition than dirty hands that are lifted up to God in worship. That's a farce. So what do we do? We open our eyes. We look around for people we can love and care for. Serve a meal for people in one of the shelters in town. Visit someone who's sick. Invite someone who's lonely over for dinner. Fight for the rights of minorities and seek their protection, whoever they are. May our hands be clean as we love each other and seek justice for the oppressed and marginalized. And may their hands be cleaned as we introduce them to a God of love by our actions rather than our religious demands. I'll see you next time as we continue in our message series talking about what God sees really as dirty in our lives and in our world. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 